3: Peewee number two. I was, I was, like, "Is there a
4: song? I don't even know it." Oh, no, no I got no
3: song. I mean, we could get into this. Oh, la la
5: la, la 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 <laughs> la, la la. la
3: <laughs> there he goes.
5: I will. I would like. I would be remiss if I didn't mention before we move on from Peewee's Big Adventure. Yes, yeah, so when we
4: last left off, we were talking. We were just finishing up our talk about Peewee's Big Adventure, and then I, we after we finished recording the episode, a couple hours later, I got a, a, a frantic text from Natalie saying, we need to talk about these cameos, and I think you are correct. Completely there's correct. There's
5: so many things that I, I I'm Natalie Jean, by the way. <laughs> and I'm Holden, and that other voice is I, Jackie. I am Jackie.
4: Also, really quick, I have a song to start with now that you mentioned the cameos. See no evil, <laughs> <When> and you <laughs> hear no, no evil. evil. Oh, don't you lay no
5: evil <laughs> down on me. You're gonna burn in hell. So that is the Twisted Sister <laughs> song
4: in the movie during the
5: chase sequence, which is so, so funny,
4: good. by the way. So good was so stuck funny. in my head for like three days after watching uh, Big Adventure. That is such a funny song. And they're all like on this like, fit, like cool Corvette, like being all sexy and stuff. It's so, so funny. funny. As a
5: former music video hoe, I've really felt for those girls who had to walk next <laughs> to that car for probably 12 hours that day <laughs> in heels.
3: But they got um, to perform with Pee-wee Herman and
5: Twisted Sister. Andy and Twisted Snyder. Sister, I guess it's pretty great. <laughs> um I will also the Danny Elfman, I loved that they sort of went I think it went this direction that Pee-wee would do stuff in the movie and then he would create score to what Pee-wee was doing so oh, that cool. song. You know that song la 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 uh-huh. la la la. It seems as though Danny Elfman then took that theme and like made that theme from him singing and there's like the part where he's banging on the door
4: mm-hmm. bum, bum, it really bum, goes bum, along bum. with uh yeah. i
5: thought it was cool hell yeah anyway um just quickly if you guys weren't aware most of you probably are but a lot of the original Pee Wee's people uh made cameos in the movie which are really fun to spot um of course phil hartman's in it at the end as a reporter
4: mm-hmm.
5: and he he co-wrote the movie with peewee uh paul rubens that is and then uh lynn marie who plays uh, Miss Yvonne uh-huh. shows up as Mother Superior. She's the the nun, in the nun scene with the Wonder Years kid. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: Tim Tim Burton himself actually performs uh, plays the guy, creepy guy in the alleyway who confronts him before he goes or whatever, like makes yeah. them all scared <laughs> and they run away. Yeah, which That's uh, right. one of my favorite parts.
5: I know, super fun. <laughs> um the guy who plays Jombie, whose name is John Paragon. He shows up on the uh, lot at the end of, the, towards the end of the movie. and He's the guy in the red armor. Who and has he's a really also high one of voice. the creators of Pee Wee Herman mm-hmm. as well as Pee Wee's Playhouse. I, you know what's? I always thought he was the one that was in the drag, showgirl outfit, but it wasn't him. He was in the red armor. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, Cassandra Peterson, of course, who is Elvira, uh, shows up as the biker mama in the bike scene, um, and she rules. And they were in uh, the groundlings together. Cool. Yeah. Hell yeah.
3: I love it. You know, that's another thing that, you know, I think that we're really driving home with this whole Pee Wee Herman talk about is that I love that he worked with a lot of the same people for a long time. Talk abouts. I'm to talk abouts, abouts, talk completely abouts normal, okay? Completely normal way to say that. <laughs> that was absolutely just the most elegant. Talk abouts, okay? <laughs>
5: You know, also Pee Wee Herman shows that even if you're weird, you deserve love too, okay? I would really, I'd love to have finally sit down and have a serious talk abouts with you guys. We're having a talk <laughs> yeah. abouts today because we're definitely going to have talk abouts when we get into
3: Big Top Pee Wee because, you know, it does upset me that everyone hates Big Top Pee Wee so yeah. much, but we will get there
4: We will have a talk abouts for that talk abouts about it. And uh, also, I the, definitely the did world. get my brother a Super Deluxe Prince vinyl set. Uh, <laughs> it cost a lot of money. It's about 10 vinyls. And let's oh talk about Pee-Wee's Playhouse. I don't know
5: how many times I can cancel you, but I will keep trying.
4: <laughs> uh, so, okay, here that's where we've left off. Now we're, now we're coming off of the success of Pee-Wee's Big Adventure, which was a bit of a surprise, I think, for everybody. CBS then hits up Paul Rubens to do a cartoon series Uh, for for their network. Rubens, though, not really into it. uh, Classic Paul Rubens style. I love that this guy always fights for exactly what he wants creatively. That he doesn't just yes, yes, yes his way into disasters. He 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 really does fight for his own work. And so he says, "No, I don't want to do an animated show." Uh, and in 1986, they agreed to sign Ruben's on for a live action Saturday morning children's show, which makes so much sense. I mean, he already has there all the everything's in place for it. He just needs to make it a, like slightly less adult, but not that much less adult because there are a lot of yeah weird sexual innuendos and stuff all throughout that show.
3: And now Paul Rubens had said in Rolling Stone, so when they suggested doing a cartoon, I said, I'm not really interested in that. Let's do a real kid show. I was a big howdy doody freak growing Mm. up. I was actually on one show when I was a kid in the audience and was more interested in doing something like that, which as we all know, he got. And Mm -hmm. originally... The initial concept was for the show to be much more animation heavy Mm. after this and not rely on just his presence to save him from having to be on set for weeks on end, says Steve Oaks, co-founder of Broadcast Arts. But he got really into it and immersed himself in the project. He really became the centerpiece and more than just a host, which it's crazy to think that he was, he was supposed to be more of like a crypt keeper of this show as opposed to it being all about Pee Wee Herman, which is what made us all fall in love. With it yeah mm-hmm.
4: completely and I mean he had a total like he was the producer director and actor in this thing he had full creative control he ends up bringing in his old groundling pals Phil Hartman John Paragon and Lynn Marie Stewart who you just mentioned Hartman ended up too busy to do the show after season one unfortunately due to getting cast on SNL uh, largely Lawrence Fishburne's Cowboy Curtis replaced a lot of his effect on the show his element on the show
3: now I do want to take a quick divot real fast because this was actually a huge part of the relationship between Paul Rubens and Phil Hartman was when Phil Hartman joined SNL Paul Rubens was pissed really when he joined SNL they says one observer there was a lot of jealousy between Paul and Phil they were close friends but Paul never really went out of his way to help Phil in his career Rubens viewed Hartman's ascension to Saturday Night Live as disloyalty.
0: Hmm. Paul
3: actually was angry about this rather than happy for Phil's success. He was really nasty to Phil and felt the reason he got the job was because Paul had originally brought him there as a writer. They didn't speak for years. So, now, Paul Rubens, as we know, we talked about this last episode, he was told that he he was not asked to join SNL, Mm -hmm. but he was asked after Pee-Wee's Big Adventure to host an episode of SNL. And he said, okay... I'll host an episode, but I want Phil Hartman to come and write sketches for me for the show. Ah. So he feels that him doing that was how he got... SNL was starting to become friends with all of them and really getting into it and unfortunately later on Phil Hartman did sue Paul Rubens because he felt he should have received more credit and more money for helping to create the Pee Wee Herman character. Mm. Hartman was pushed out and Rubens began a CBS TV show instead of honoring the contract the two had. But and they didn't really. They talked a little bit after the ninety one incident,
5: but pretty much they never worked together ever again after I, that. I, so I think yeah. that's one of those young stories where if Phil had been able to survive, um, they would have eventually made up because it does. Mm. It does sound like one of those classic. It's almost like okay, so Paul Rubens was really butt hurt excuse me that's um i'm upset my butt does <laughs> wow. hurt
4: and i'm offended <laughs> wow i've never i can't believe i'm canceling someone ever but hurt but you and fact, natalie as i said it, i was like this
5: is probably Canceled. offensive um that he didn't get on snl when he auditioned of and it, it would be almost like somebody i don't know like somebody i was married to if maybe his best friend holden or Eddie, got on to snl and then Trying to deal with that emotionally. Oh, Henry when you're... would
4: just be the worst about it. He'd be like, Ugh, You know how he gets when he's mad. He just he becomes a fucking animal. He becomes a yeah, fucking goes, monkey. He's just
3: like,
4: what that are sound. you even <laughs> saying right now, you animal? I
5: think he would actually be a really much more like Paul Rubens in that he would be emotionally Yeah. He would be so hurt.
4: There's just something it, it there's something about the SNL effect. That I agree with you, on Natalie, and it would be hard, I think, for any of us at this point to see yeah. someone else in our little gr- crew end up getting that because it's like Henry got incredibly close. I remember those times. I thought my life was going to cha- change because of that. I'm sure Phil Hartman felt the same way when Paul Rubens was yeah. the, was one of the final two people. To be selected and didn't, you but know. Phil but Phil Harbin wanted to it.
5: shine. He needed to of course. to have distance from Paul Rubens. And I think when, if uh, later on in life, Paul Rubens would have understood that yes. probably. Yeah. But, you know, now you got Che there, so you get to meet Taylor Swift and everything's yeah. fine.
4: I didn't get to meet her, but I got to like be in the same room with her. And also
3: out of this, we did get Lawrence Fishburne's Cowboy Curtis. Well, I yes. will say as a child, Oh boy! Oh, did, did I, that make your oh melons swell or whatever? Whoa, Is that what you're I'm talking sti- about? Even watching Pee-wee's Playhouse now, his style,
5: his essence—I want. I lo- <laughs> I'm i in love with Cowboy <laughs> Curtis. Well, that wasn't. It was not his first acting job. He was a child actor, but that was his first notable role, and it kind of pushed his career. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of people were horny for him. Yeah, that's.
4: That, I think that's one of those favorite like internet things, like dude did you know that Lawrence visual? like do you remember this shit because a lot of people forget it but it's in the back of their heads and I think it was the start of him being just in your consciousness as a, yes. a as a, a person who watches stuff so for the first season the show ends up getting filmed in a converted loft on Broadway in New York City which was described as quote a sweatshop by staff writer George McGrath uh apparently just absolutely a a nightmare difficult space just just to work with of course very new york in that sense it does end up getting moved to the hollywood center studios in la pop
5: quiz pop quiz pop quiz who was the pa on that show who we discussed before
4: i'll give our listeners a chance to shout it out before we yell it at them rob zombie (laughs) yay Yay.
5: good job
4: Holden. Um, so, yeah, I love that, too. There was one other... Oh, fuck, I didn't write it down. There was one other very notable PA on that show, but I... Uh, uh John
5: Singleton. Yeah, is who, that Who it is? was
4: the director That's... of Boys in the Hood. No shit. So... Um, yeah, so they moved to L.A. Um, the show, as you said, was inspired by both Howdy Doody, also Captain Kangaroo, and it was really cool because Captain Kangaroo totally came out and was like, I I love this show, and had a lot of support for it, which must have been a thrill for Paul Rubens.
3: And also in, com- in comparing it to, which I love it when it does it in a positive way, Captain Kangaroo had said, it has awesome production values. With the possible exception of the Muppets, you can't find such creativity anywhere on TV, which can you imagine your childhood hero... Saying that about you and also just comparing if I was ever compared to a Muppet, I'd die. I would die. I love the Muppet. Any Muppet? Does it matter which Muppet? Well, I guess it does matter which Muppet. Me, 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 me. I'm a bit of a beaky. I just
4: want to You're be eaten by Snuffleupagus. I think I just want to be like devoured by one of the giant monsters. Oh, you
5: Muppets. want to do like you have vor? I have a fetishes? Muppet
4: vor fetish a little bit.
5: <laughs> a I just
4: want I a would little just bit. like jerk off inside the big mouth of the monster. How
5: dare you? I just, I I one, one leg in there. Just get the one. <laughs> yeah.
4: So uh, the opposite of what I just (laughs) said uh, is that Pee Wee Herman really also molded his character into more of a, to, into having more of a moral compass. And that really revolved around the golden rule of treat others how you wish to be treated. And that's a lot of the big difference between Pee-wee before now. He really became much more, he realized like he, he's a role model. He's got to have these qualities. He's got to teach something or at least give some sort of messaging to children. Uh, but it did have that crossover audience because you have this nostalgia feel of those old childhood shows. John Lindauer, the animation director said innocence is like the opposite of pretension and that's the real genius of Paul Rubens and the genius of Pee Wee which I absolutely love well I
3: really like is that he so he was striving to keep it positive and he was sensitive to how impressionable the audience was and I enjoyed that not only did he really push positive habits but him as a person and in character he made sure that like the kids on set would never see him chain smoking in the back that like that kind of thing where he tried to keep him as a person and him as a character two separate things which I think I've talked about this on the show before like when Henry cried for weeks because Donatello <laughs> took his head off when he was at his seventh birthday party and ruined him.
5: Well I mean, fuck that guy. You should not have done that. No you gotta keep the head on. Yeah you gotta
4: keep the head on but I do love that we're really going for Henry on this one. I'm getting you back for all those last podcast episodes Henry. <laughs> so don't even think I'm not gonna talk to you. It's because he's Francis
3: in this world. That's why we have to keep bringing it back.
4: <laughs> so Anyways, you mentioned that Captain Kangaroo mentioned the amazing production value and the amazing just creative force that was the set, the puppets, everything. We got to talk about it. I think it's the most thrilling, greatest thing about Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, and make really just sets it apart from everything else. So let's and and what I loved about learning about this: these are all people; these are not industry people; these are largely artists that he Mm -hmm. handpicked to join that that were new to this in a lot of ways to like doing a TV show that is that sort of thing they were coming at it from a creative art perspective not from a I've been doing children's shows for 10 years and I want to blow my brains out perspective and I think that really helped a lot the artists who created the set and puppets included Wayne White Gary Panter Craig Bartlett Richard Golzowski Gregory Harrison Rick Heitzman and Phil Trumbo panter the art director and production designer was actually an underground comic book artist out of LA and,
5: and his wife I would like to add in there sure. his wife his wife was also a part of the production um she came on to the live version of it the one that ah. was in LA she also was the tour manager for the punk band the, the germs which was very exciting oh, for cool. me and she was sort of brought on during the the more adult stage show to be they they were calling her like the the cool. The, one, the woman who would check to make sure everything looked cool and sounded cool, basically.
4: <laughs> Interesting.
5: Yeah, I do know that
3: Gary Panter also was huge in the punk movement, yeah. which is something that Pee Wee Ehrman really wanted, uh, Paul Rubens really wanted as a part of, especially the production design yeah. of Pee Wee's Playhouse because he had also created the, I think that I mentioned this last week, he had also created the posters for the original Pee Wee, the Pee Wee Herman show that was before Pee Wee's Big Adventure mm. and he was someone that he had come to Paul Rubens and and they
5: worked because he had seen him in a late night set and was like hey, I want to work with and you. And it really brings that punk energy to the show which is something that I immediately was drawn to even as a kid. Uh-huh. Oh, also she played in the original stage show, the HBO special, she plays the sister who goes, I'm not wearing any underpants. That's That's her, that's his wife.
4: Uh, Also, you have Wayne White, who hilariously enough lied about being a, quote, puppet expert to get a job on the show. He said, we were doing our jobs for the first time. Who would have hired us in Hollywood? Nobody. Uh, Paul was cool enough. He was an artist himself, and he hired all these unknowns. That was the power of the Playhouse. It was an art project that happened to get on TV, which I think is a great way to put it. He also said this about their, uh, just their total approach. We felt complete freedom to borrow from any source we could. I was thinking a lot about German Expressionism and little golden books from the 50s. We were all thinking about toys from the 50s and 60s, too. We were thinking about abstract painting. You name it, we would throw it in there. Also... I, assume this, I love this. I, I should have assumed this was the case uh, just by hearing the song. But Cyndi Lauper does voice the theme mm-hmm. song, which she admitted to in her autobiography, though it is c- actually credited to Eileen uh, A- Shaw or Eileen Shaw. It Shaw. It's Ellen
3: Shaw Ellen. was one of Cyndi Lauper's backup singers. Oh. She was actually brought in after Cyndi Lauper had so... Paul Rubens went to Cyndi Lauper and was like, Hey, will you do my theme song? She's like, I don't really have time. She turned it down, but she recommended her backup singer. And even though Ellen Shaw kept trying to sound just like Cyndi Lauper, because as we know, Paul Rubens is a perfectionist and he wanted Cyndi Lauper singing the song, and she couldn't exactly get it right to which point Cyndi Lauper came in to try and coach this woman of how to sing like her. She still couldn't get it, so she just did it as a favor for Paul Rubens, but still wanted Ellen Shaw to get the credit. as oh, cool. I, I,
5: read, yeah. uh, I read that uh, she actually didn't want to do it because she had just put out, I believe, True Colors, one of the really serious songs she had mm. written, and she didn't think that people would... Well, she wanted to be taken seriously, and she didn't think people mm. would, like, As much like the song True Colors and like kind of connect to that side of her if. She did the Pee-wee song. Doing something silly. Yeah. And also it was weird that
3: you brought up Mark Mothersbaugh earlier, um, Holden, because Mm -hmm. he co-composed the theme song. Oh, interesting. And he'll come back
4: later when we talk about Pee-wee's big holiday. Uh Of course, Mark Mothersbaugh, he, of course, uh, was Devo and did a bunch of scores. He's like another, he's essentially another Elfman situation.
5: Yeah, he makes me, I always think of Rugrats immediately. Uh Mm.
4: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, Yeah, he's done so, like, the soundtrack of our lives. But really, it's true. He's done so many things that you don't realize.
5: These jerks really just. Did mold our brains when yes. we were growing up. Oh, yeah.
4: Uh-huh. 100%. Also, Jombie's meka Leka High, meka Heidi. <laughs> that came actually from John Paragon when he was in a sketch in The Groundlings. It was set in a Hawaiian restaurant, and he was just doing like bad Hawaiian gibberish just on the spot. And it's. Which stuck. also
3: could not be done nowadays. No. no, <laughs> no, no, no.
4: <laughs> But I mean, it works in the situation. I don't know. I feel like He's Jombie. He's genie. Then it's not. Yeah, fine. Jombie
3: is not. Yeah.
4: Uh, and so, and also the reason why season three, if you go on Netflix and you look and you go, why is season three two episodes long? Uh, there was a writer strike. So season three was very short. They also did a Christmas special that year, but that was it.
3: Wait, do you guys watch the Christmas special yeah, though? Awesome. I want to talk about this Christmas Not special for well, just a moment. Yeah, it please. is amazing. It is filled with star talk about. Star studded. Star studded and is in that weird third season where the writer strike is. And if you are like me and still like to watch it every year, because it is one of those fun ones that also includes, it's one of the first Christmas specials that also nods to Hanukkah as well. I know. and They get was a so, whole song. Yeah, that's why Paul Rubens was, was dead set on that and I really appreciate that as well. It was written in five days by Paul Rubens and John Paragon and it was nominated for two Emmys. So this is also in, in entirety, Pee Wee's Playhouse was nominated for 15 Emmys. Wow. Which is absolutely nuts. So in this book that we were reading, they they were talking about some of the fun the things on set with the cameos that had come on this is according to george mcgrath who's one of the screenwriters that has been working with Pee-wee through most of this he was talking about jaja gabor he said jaja was crazy she loved to improvise which would have been great except nothing she ad-libbed made any sense she was by far the biggest pain
4: in the ass of all the celebrities <laughs> what's uh, the deal with jaja gabor what was... <laughs> she's such like she's so lost to time she's such like a She's such like a B Arthur too, like a punchline kind yeah, of. Yeah, she's a person. caricature
5: to me. I only know her from references in comedies for her slapping somebody, I think. <laughs> Didn't she hit someone? I honestly don't think I know almost anything about Josh Agamore except the history on, <laughs> on <laughs> Josh
3: Agamore. Maybe Moore.
5: do we need to know more? Let us what know, if guys, it, if
3: you think we should. Because what if it's
5: I'll only it. what if it's like we learn all only horrible things about yeah. her? And then that she would sliced be a upsetting. man's
4: throat in an alleyway in nineteen 19- 42 I don't know no. when she was on this park. She killed
5: Batman's <laughs> parents <laughs> She was yeah, the one exactly. in the back alley
3: um, Little Richard also, when he falls during ice skating, he just kept asking, do you want me to scream like a white woman or a black woman? And, <laughs> and watching it too, that's just so fun. But it was great of how many people that were contacted that not only wanted to do it, but I believe it was Whoopi Goldberg
5: that came out that like asked them if she could do well, it. Well, then they make a bit about it on the show. Yes. Where she's trying desperately to get on and he keeps going we have too many people, will be maybe next year. And she's like, okay, maybe next year. And he says, maybe next year. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> now, so
3: after all this, of course, Pee-wee's Playhouse is such a huge part of all of our lives growing up. And this is around the time when he starts winding it down. Now, Steve Binder, who was one of the producers of Pee-wee's Playhouse starting in the second season, really wanted to talk to the reason of why he had decided to stop. So he said, I think the show went off air because Paul only saw Pee-wee as a character and he didn't want a career of being Pee-wee. He saw his career as more Charlie Chaplin. He was always fighting everyone on making more episodes. He was offered millions of dollars if he could guarantee 65 half hours
5: and turned it down. I think that um, I see that you're about to talk about it's, it being a very positive show and that we talked about that before where his main goal was to, um, what was it? The golden rule. What was it? Treat others as o- how you would like yeah. to be treated. Treat others as like how you'd like to be treated. Um I think that it really w- was very successful in that and as a kid, I really connected to that and, and watching it now, I still was so charmed by him mm-hmm. and, and in reference to that Christmas special, I think that was a great example of how they worked diversity into the show really seamlessly and flawlessly in a time when most people in the entertainment industry were whites white dudes and it wasn't something that was being discussed as much as it is now and they just did it anyway and it was um really cool to watch that and see that we had that growing up in this show where they brought in not only These really awesome women But like different people of color There, there was a lot of um, Spanish And Mexican uh, characters And them actually speaking Spanish And also
3: women doing things Fun character roles Which is a little kid Like that was what Was huge to me Is it was like Oh I can be that Like I want to do that Yeah And I know that we'd like, Of course Catherine O'Hara Was such a huge inspiration To be growing up Of someone that was Doing character, Like a strong woman That was Mm -hmm. doing A bunch of different characters But Pee Wee's Playhouse Really brought it home Of that You don't have to be A sex symbol
5: Or be ugly To be funny
2: You know know what I mean Yeah there are
5: women In his show and, And this doesn't sound That revolutionary At the time but it was in the 80s that, like, the women characters, a lot of them had jobs, like the male lady and stuff like that. Mm. That was something that it was really good for us to see as little kids. Which truly. they actually changed from yeah. the
3: original production it's because he didn't... It was a male man, he changed to a male lady, and that was Paul Rubens wanting to bring more women on board.
5: Yeah. And which I love. So <laughs> rad. And also, before we get off of Pee-wee, there were a couple people, like we mentioned, Lawrence Fishburne, was, that was one of his you know notable roles as he was becoming but did you guys see who was on the very first episode natasha leone yes yeah. oh my god little baby little baby, baby natasha leone was uh-huh. in the first episode and i and think throughout the a bunch of season. other episodes yeah. yeah um super weirdo immediately you can already tell she's a weirdo and then i was watching an interview with her she and she was basically going to be talking about her young roles on this interview on like movie buzz or whatever one of those um websites and she was dressed as natasha leone does in you know a wacky outfit and she had these big white framed like tinted glasses on during the interview and so the first thing the lady brings up is like i want to talk about peewee's playhouse and they cut to the clip of her in the very first episode of peewee and she is not only dressed almost exactly the same, she is wearing huge white frame tinted sunglasses in the scene, and she's it. just like, "Oh, I guess I, uh, guess I didn't really change much, huh?" <laughs> That's I hilarious. Uh, love her.
0: Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to sixty percent on brands you love: Rag and Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find?
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.
3: And what I love is that Wayne Orr, who was one of the directors of Pee-wee's Playhouse, went out of his way to say that Paul Rubens was nice to everybody, but to kids he was an absolutely nice host. He would be Pee-wee most of the time, a very calm Pee-wee, and would show them around set. He deserves real kudos for that. And I love that it wasn't just like, bring kids in, stick them where they got to do it. He was very involved in the kids that would be on, including the goalie from Mighty Ducks, I forget what his name is also the little the, the little kid that he talked yeah, like this yeah, yeah. and he's very very cute and another part of all of this in this transition is that Paul Rubens even had control down to the merchandise that was made for Pee Wee's Playhouse so Karen Lyons who's one of the designers of the Terry and Cherry toys who was also a huge fan of the first season got brought in and Paul Rubens. Said he wanted toys that were original. Cherry had to talk and roll her eyes, and Terry had to have wings that flapped and eyes that moved, and it was a huge challenge for them. As well as on top of the fact that he insisted that the 18 inch talking peewee doll should not be battery operated, he wanted it to be usable by all children. Pull string toys don't require batteries. So they had to go back to an old, and it's also keeping up with the aesthetic, like the 50s, 60s aesthetic that people. Herman we lived in this realm, but I love that he wanted it. And they're like, I guess we'll go back in time and make it the way they used to make it and pissed all these people
5: off. But it's what he wanted. So that's what he got. And you know what? <laughs> A lot of people have been sending us uh, Instagram stories of their own. They've been tagging us of their own either old pictures cool of them with their peewee. Or some people have new collected, like old, they, you know, they're old toys, but they have them now. And man, those toys are cool yes. as F i am so jealous i wanted that cherry so
3: much growing up and someone tagged me in that picture i I know i I, always wanted that i forget their instagram (laughs)
5: handle i'm sorry but she had a photo of her and she had the cherry chair as a child and i was just like what nonsense is this oh my god
4: i want it i want i want it now i know So the show ends up running for five seasons with 45 episodes from 1986 to 1990. And once he got to 1990, he just felt that, quote, it was time to take a year off. And at the end of that year, he then, quote, I decided I was going to take a second year off. That I guess he was just probably hit that wall hit that point where he needed a break from the character and
3: also good for him he was traveling he went to Italy he went to Hawaii like he was writing and also taking he was doing self-care for the and first time in a he deserved it he
4: did I mean he was working his fucking ass off on that Children's show. That, I mean, more than I think any other project he had done with Pee Wee up until that point, it sounds just like he was relentless. And then yeah. the
5: quality showed. The quality showed on the show. Yeah.
4: He talked about how he was a total perfectionist, about how he, you know, he had to have this control over every element of it. And of course, after five seasons, 45 episodes of that, just nonstop. He had to take some time. So it makes a lot of sense. But and also
3: during while while he's making Pee-Wee's Playhouse, he also did make Big Top
4: Pee-wee. Let's talk about it. Big Top Pee-wee. Definitely we have rose colored glasses when it comes to this film. You guys are I getting think.
5: really defensive about this. I think I maybe I am,
4: but I watched it
3: again and I was like, so in watching both of them back to back again, because I think that you had brought this up last time, Nat. I think in our home growing up, we watched Big Top Pee Wee as much as we watched. Same. Uh, Peewee's Big Adventure because mm-hmm. it was on all the time, yeah. and yeah. so whenever we would watch Big Top Peewee, then it's like let's watch Peewee's Big Adventure again, and it was like what that VHS, in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, you know what, I will say it, you know, it's not as good as the first one. <laughs> well, but there wasn't it's any still, Tim Burton, no, yeah, and it's no a Tim huge, Burton. and it was a whole different other. It's a different side of Peewee that we'll talk about mm-hmm. that I. One of these, a uh, writer of Rolling Stone was talking about the three different versions of Pee Wee Herman. So there's stage Pee Wee Herman, which is way more raunchier and crowd oriented, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there's television show Pee Wee Herman, which is like a loud, obnoxious train of Pee Wee Herman. And then there's the movie Pee Wee Herman, which is like all of his movies, he's way more subdued and in control. So this is a full other faction, like a whole other side of Pee-wee Herman that we had never seen before in Big Top Pee-wee, and you're right, it's not the one that we grew up
5: with, but also Chris Christopherson's in it! <laughs> and a bunch of, there's so many cute animals, and yeah! they sleep in beds. And he's got a little pig! They sleep in beds. I think what makes
4: Big Top Pee-wee just feel weird is... And then they do mess with this element of him in the first film, but it's more for comedic relief, and it's not the focus. It's the focus on the love triangle. Yeah, that's what I think threw it off a little bit. It just feels this is just too much of that. And and it is kind of funny to see. You know, I'm a loner, Dottie, a rebel. Like that is great because that, you that... want him
5: to be. You don't want him to have sexuality. You want him to yeah. be genitalless. He's yeah, an asexual creature. He's always
4: yeah. Even even if they do, a woman does fawn on him, he's sort of is like in his own little peewee world. Um, whereas here it's like, oh, he's like really, this is like a romantic comedy almost.
5: Well, and, and Paul, and Rube, and Paul actually had, you know, he talked about it. Jackie, I think you have like a quote, don't you?
4: Do you have a fun, juicy quote?
3: Um, no, no, no. Yeah, no, because I want to talk about his sexuality and how this was really brought Out in this Because according to Scott Wilson an Associate producer of Big Top Pee Wee Paul had a lot more autonomy on the second film It was different when we were at Warner Brothers And he hadn't made a film There weren't yes men on the first film Mm -hmm. So with this Paul Rubens wanted to bring a grown-up side of Pee-wee into it, which I will say gro- grown-up with air quotes because right. he definitely, you know, was trying to make out with his fiance by just rolling on top of her in front of children. Yeah, which I thought that was very funny. And I think <laughs> that growing up, I'm fairly sure I thought that that's what making out was. I thought it was just rolling oh, on top. Oh, that's why you do someone. that. That's my thing. Like, that's it's like, oh, there goes Jackie.
4: <laughs> that's making like, all mouth. those children to follow you <laughs> to and watch. jump around. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he and Ruben said also that, you know, he was listening too much to his critics for this one with the quote, I've learned that lesson already. He was actually talking about this, I believe, in reference to going into Pee Wee's big holiday. But regardless, a lot of critics had a lot to say about my relationship with my girlfriend in my first movie. A lot of people wrote. Pee Wee doesn't seem to like his girlfriend. And so I thought, okay, I'll show you. I'll have two girlfriends in my next movie which doesn't, that's not really a good thing. And no, no one wanted to see that. No, so that, no one wanted to see so that.
2: So that was a really
4: good lesson of not listening to critics. You just True. do what you want to do, which is something I've always, always felt deep down. And I think I'm a good example of it, but I will say the choice, oh, he's dismissive of his girlfriend now we'll give him two girlfriends that is like a double negative in terms of solving that problem I
3: love it because it's also so so Paul Rubens wrote this with George McGrath who he'd been working on for most of his other projects and what McGrath had said especially about the kiss which you know what growing up I didn't realize it was that long of a kiss (laughs) I just really wanted to kiss someone next to a waterfall it it had
4: the record for longest on screen kiss at the time it it did though but
3: apparently uh, George McGrath had said the only thing Paul definitely wanted to be in the script had very little to do with the circus he wanted the longest screen kiss in movie history I think he wanted it to be the answer to a trivia question now it had originally clocked in at three minutes and 16 seconds but was edited down to less than two minutes which eventually though did defeat the purpose because it still wasn't the longest theater kiss oh, So okay there's no so then it's just a very Weird. weirdly long yeah because you are not even making out it is just you just face lips it's,
4: it feels like a metaphor for what was wrong with that movie that long. yes yeah. yeah just out totally. of place it's like oh i guess we can do this with Pee Wee, but it just doesn't quite feel right it's not quite a joke it's not quite this you know what I mean it just all it sort of falls weirdly flat even though you kind of get where they were trying to yeah, go Yeah, I think
5: it. it was also them trying to take the sexuality out of it because it's not a sexy kiss by any means. no right it's not um, but it didn't it didn't really work
4: well it no. kind of is at one point she like gets on all fours on top of him like uh, oh uh, yeah that, quarters, yeah, her butt. And that yeah, was like oh yeah
3: that's co- yeah, It's a lot And also I I think that there were Some issues According to George McGrath I keep wanting to call him Mark McGrath But I know that's A very oh, different wish. person This is George McGrath Angels And <laughs> wanna fly. We do all want to fly So does Pee Wee He does <laughs> um, So Paul No, Mark. No, (laughs) George. George. George McGrath. George McGrath. George McGrath had said that he thinks that some of the some of the issues with how it had come across had to do with casting. He said Paul's insistence on having Italians cast in any role that had an Italian last name was a mistake. So much of what was funny in the script was barely understandable in their hands. But the worst miscasting was of the elderly townspeople. They were supposed to be Margaret Hamilton type villains (laughs) and could have been cast with younger character actresses. Instead, they cast a lot of very sympathetic, really old looking women who always seem to be victims you ended up hating peewee for being mean to them instead of <laughs> vice versa so i could see that maybe as an older person because now watching it i get that but as a kid i was just like fuck those ladies yeah, yeah get those ladies blow
5: them up peewee us how, you know? how to hate old ladies
3: and maybe that's where it comes from maybe it's
5: all peewee herman's fault when's that scene when sugar ray shows up I just, just want to fly.
3: fly. My, 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 no, 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 no got to fly. <laughs> um,
4: so, <laughs> <laughs> the, so the movie, this is really the first big misstep for Pee Wee Herman and Paul Rubens. Um, and this is kind of the beginning of the fall, one might think, of Pee Wee. What year did this come out, though? Because, I mean, he was still flying high. 89, I believe. Playhouse yes, Playhouse at the same time. So it wasn't like he was like, oh, this was this tragic Decline or whatever for him But still 88
3: yes, But, but still. that's Because he was still in the heyday
5: Of yeah. Pee Wee's Playhouse So he
3: just went right back Yeah, This
5: also It was a They didn't do that great in the box office mm-hmm. Because it was up against Who framed Roger Rabbit and Yes
4: And a fish called Wanda It was yeah. like a big I mean those are two Ugh oh, And I Oh I love who Roger, Roger
5: Rabbit, Rabbit so is so Good It's so, <laughs> so good
3: <laughs> so And good. especially if you watch him back to back You're like well I mean <laughs> one is obviously a better movie unfortunately yes. <laughs> and so paul rubens though because one of the huge differences between Wee herman as a character and paul rubens as a person is that paul rubens was a very sensitive person and he was devastated by the audience reaction of this movie and i think that this really plays into a lot of the changing of ending Pee-Wee's Playhouse and and wanting to... It's like, all right, so he's still in the heyday, but he still did Pee-Wee's Playhouse for another year. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of that, he was just like, I need to put this character right to bed. Yeah. I have run it into the ground. I need to take a step back from it and, and reassess he almost, what's going on. he was almost... He was
5: getting... If he wasn't 40 yet, he was almost 40. And right. I imagine it was... He made a joke on some interview I saw where he was saying... Eventually, Pee-wee's gonna have to wear a turtleneck if I'm gonna play this character. Yes, referencing like a baggy old, old man neck. Which,
3: <laughs> all right, <laughs> which is also speaks to later on when he does the 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 last movie where he has all the digital age technology yes. put in. Yeah.
4: All right, this is where things get sticky. Pun kind of intended, but not really. In July yes. of 1991, this is he's on hiatus Which from. Which he does Pee-wee. refer
3: to solely as the incident, by the way.
4: Mm, he's visiting relatives in Sarasota, Florida, and he is arrested by undercover police when they found him masturbating in a pornographic movie theater.
3: An adult. Pornographic movie theater when he was staying with his parents in Sarasota, Florida. This is a huge part of the incident. Yes. He was staying. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it before we even get even further into this, that he's technically a better man than I am. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I
5: mean? Yes. He went out of the house to he go he watch to it. where people go to masturbate yes
4: <laughs> I mean what are those theaters for? That, that's what I always say with this that's I know, what they're I know we're for. gonna try not to like be too opinionated during this part but to me yes. this specifically is like I just what were they there for it is the weird this is like the to me it is, again speaking of metaphors I feel like the pornographic movie theater is the perfect metaphor of like the hypocrisy of America exactly where you could go and this like what are they
3: you supposed to you can't touch yourself
5: for? you can't have sex with another well, Person in there, you can't just so. What is to me, what is the point? Truly, to me, one of the weirdest parts of this whole story is that we live in such a puritanical, sex depraved country that police were raiding an adult theater to arrest people for watching porn, right? So they're sitting in the back of the theater, adult porn. It's not weird, it's not like they were watching like snuff films or something, it was just fucking. Adults fucking each other.
3: And unfortunately, one of the issues is that... Paul Rubens and I think this is part of why it got so blown out of proportion is that he attempted to bribe the cops. But it wasn't even a bad bribe. It wasn't a bad bribe. He had said he which he'd offered to perform a children's benefit if they didn't arrest him. He wasn't right. even trying try and the, like even in according to the LA Times, even the writer had said, "We'll never know what might have happened if Rubens had said, I'll give you guys $10,000 each to forget about this." But no, he doesn't do that. Instead, he offers to perform a benefit for children arrest this guy they ought to give him a good citizens award i'm just saying i'm I'm just just saying saying. we're not choosing sides we're just saying saying. but
4: but i will say this this is how why uh, another reason though why this fully blew up the way it did not only was he a host of a children's show a couple years before and he was peewee and everything he'd also this whole time, been working his ass off to convince the public that mm-hmm. he wasn't a real person. Right. So the second that the world sees this mugshot of of Paul Rubens with long hair, looking scruffy, the you goatee, know, it's like completely reality shattering in this way that actually worked against him. It was almost his performance art being such a success as it was right. fucked him over in this instance because no one yeah we we no one was uh, acquainted with the real person
5: Paul Rubens actually does a really good interview in 2011 for South by Southwest uh, where he brings up the mugshot before no, they didn't they weren't even going to talk about it he brings it up and he's really eloquent about it and he basically says that i think that the reason my mugshot really did this damage is because i Made myself Pee-wee Herman so deeply that yes. pe- the, the the stark contrast really freaked people out, mm-hmm. and that when his next role came in, which was Buffy, uh, he uh-huh. immediately jumped into Buffy because he was offered the part, and he just told them that. His one stipulation is that he wanted his character to look as much like his mugshot as possible. Ah, That's amazing. (laughs) Fun. And also, I I do find this part interesting: is that Randall
3: Kleiser, who was the director of Big Top Pee Wee,
4: also known also known for Grease, by the way, as well as uh, which he got from directing John Travolta in The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. And I just (laughs) wanted to throw that out there because we definitely did an episode on John Travolta where we talked about all of
3: that. So he thought that maybe the 91 arrest gave him an opportunity to to evolve. He said, in a way, fate may have stepped in to help him change his direction. People forget that the original Pee Wee Herman used to put mirrors on his shoes and Mm -hmm. look up girls' dresses. He has a wonderful sense of humor, and I think what he's probably going to do now is reinvent himself the way that David Bowie and Madonna do from time to time.
4: Which, I mean, it is. If they're given
3: an opportunity, this is definitely it. Yeah.
4: When asked uh, what he was thinking, he said, well, obviously I wasn't thinking, you know? I certainly wasn't thinking to myself, you're a children's show host. Your show is still on television. I wasn't making those lists. I feel like they were insinuating, like, well, I was sitting in, you know, a darkened movie theater in my peewee suit. And also, he said, I mean... That that didn't seem like a crime to me. It didn't seem like anyone's business but my own. Uh, with the 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 incident, he becomes the butt of the jo- of of a joke countrywide, maybe even worldwide. He's got you know Jim Carrey's playing him on in Living Color, doing impressions, poking fun at the incident. At the same time, his show is taken out of syndication. Toys R Us is pulling his toys from the shelves. All these things—they're just trying to essentially wipe Pee Wee from the 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 uh you know from the marketplace uh, and
3: again we, we had mentioned that he was so sensitive and he had said it was kind of like a mortifying kind of situation where I felt like you know people are laughing at me I'm a professional comedian I've never claimed to be able to take it as good as I dish it out ever I mean I'm just sensitive. So watching all that, I mean even someone that's not sensitive and I'm a very sensitive person, can you I can't even I would I don't know what I'd do. So I would I'd so hide forever. I'd hide yeah. absolutely forever.
5: I don't think it would have destroyed his career now. If that same thing happened,
4: no, but the reality is so different now, anyways. Like, yeah. I mean, no one who I don't even I don't even know. I live in New York City, and I couldn't tell you where a pornographic movie theater existed. Yeah. which it's, it, it's very Streets used to be lined with them, you yeah. know, like. And so, so he
3: entered a plea of no contest and was ordered to perform seventy-five hours of community service. And this is why I bring this up. He also was ordered to write, produce, and cover the production costs of an anti-drug public service announcement uh-huh. and pay a fifty-dollar fine. Do you guys remember this PSA? The anti-crack I, cocaine. The crack cocaine PSA. Now, what they said in Rolling Stone magazine, the one starring Paul Rubens as an in-character Pee Wee Herman was absolutely the weirdest. <laughs> that nasally voice paired with unnaturally rosy cheeks doesn't lend a lot of authority on what's glamorous, quote unquote, or quote unquote, cool, because he's talking about crack cocaine and it's a very serious PSA, which of course it should be. You know, it's trying to get kids to not do drugs. It's just, you know, they told him to make it, and man, he did it. They just they had it scared the shit out of me as those, a kid.
5: Those public service announcements were so weird Dumb. in the eighties. And this was also on the sidebar, this was the same era as the Satanic Panic. And mm. there they had they had PSAs on TV that were kids' characters, including cartoons like Yogi Bear, telling parents to ask their kids if they were being molested. Like Wow. So weird Jesus. If you look th- You have to look them up They're insane Yogi Bear like is have telling nightmares. Yogi Bear is telling parents About making sure Their kids aren't getting Molested hey, Don't touch yeah. me In my picnic basket I mean That <laughs> is, that that is right? what Was happening <laughs> You have to look it up I will
4: Also, he does come out of hiding in a really cool way for the 1991 MTV Music Video Awards on September 5th. And he comes out and he asks the audience, heard any good jokes lately? And he ends up getting a standing ovation. And it is a sweet moment, but it was a very small... Not really a comeback, but at least he owns it a little bit. And then he's with the really cool kids because the, picture, the
5: cool kids are like, Yeah, obviously it's not a big deal.
4: Yeah. And a bunch of stars came out. Zhao Zhao Gabor, Cyndi Lauper, all that these people. Phil
5: Hartman, too, right? Didn't Phil Hartman yes. make a statement? Mm-hmm. In and then Ned Funicello. And Cindy, yeah, Cindy Lauper. Yeah, totally.
4: So, but in general, for years after the incident, if someone asked him to say a Pee Wee line or anything like that, he'd just respond, I'm not doing Pee Wee Herman. Over Aww. over the course of the 90s, he makes appearances in, in stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Batman Returns. It's, which
5: he does in Batman Returns. He is playing the Penguin's father. Tucker Cobblepot. And the mother <laughs> is played by the woman who plays Simone. In Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And so that's, it's because, so
3: Burton cast him, obviously, as the Penguin's father in Tucker Cobblepot. And also later on, he played Tucker Cobblepot in the television (laughs) show Gotham, Tubbo Copperpot.
5: I always loved the name Tucker Cobblepot. It just makes me think of Goonies because Chester Copperpot is... Yes, yes. Treasure finder.
0: Justin and So Good.
4: He has a big breakout role also in 2001 with the drug movie Blow and oh, yeah. that put him back on the map Thank but you. then in 2002 Tragedy strikes yet again for Mr. Rubens as his house is raided uh, by the police who had a tip that he had child pornography. They seize a bunch of stuff and he is arrested again. Uh, Later, the district attorney, though, found no grounds to bring felony charges against Rubens, which I think is really important over Mm -hmm. what they found. Rubens is a huge collector of memorabilia, and mm-hmm. these were old kitsch photographs, apparently, and vintage erotica that he claims is art.
5: And he also, yeah, and he had uh, a copy, he, he basically collected erotica, and he had a, a copy of Roblo's sex tape, um, which w- they were originally trying to charge him with that, but it, it was not. It was something that was just a part of history, really. And mm. this, is the, this is the same time with the whole Jeffrey Jones incident as well. And Jeffrey Jones, who actually had a sex deep sex crime in modern times and continued to work after that. So, mm. And according to Paul Rubens, the police had been given a
3: false tip in an alleged sting operation and came to my house. They thought the wrong thing and they were there for the wrong reason. And when that became clear, they should have left. Or they should have taken all my computers like they did, but spent three minutes looking through them and realized they were wrong. They were wrong. The state eventually realized I had nothing offensive, but the city attorney decided to put me through three years of hell anyway.
4: Uh, in order to avoid court, he pleads guilty to possessing obscene images of minors. Uh, and, uh, yeah, they, they, um, he said one photograph, for example, what has a young man with his hand on his thigh. It is close to his genitals, but not even that close. That's what they're calling somebody getting ready to perform a sex act just to put it into perspective. He also said for the record, One thing I want to make very, very clear, I don't want anyone for one second to think that I am titillated by images of children. It's not me. You can say lots of things about me, and you might. The public may think I'm weird. They may think I'm crazy or anything that anyone wants to think about me. That's all fine, as long as one of the things you're not thinking about me is that I'm a pedophile because that's not true.
3: And that's all we're going to say about that. We have to include that in this, but uh, we are going to move on.
4: Moving right along to the movies that weren't that led to the movie that was.
3: Now there are lots of he had so many projects going on inside of his brain.
4: Yes, a lot of things. I mean, think about it. He's in this incubation period now. He's forced like he took some time off But he was probably intending on jumping right back into the Pee-wee shoes and Tequila dancing it up. And
3: he had two different scripts completely written for two other Pee-wee movies.
4: So first there was Pee-wee's Playhouse the movie, which was announced in 2006, which was to be about the characters of Pee-wee's Playhouse leaving the house to go to Puppetland and more in search for a character missing from their home, another quote road movie. The specifics of it is that the movie begins on a normal
3: day. With Konki giving the secret word And the king of cartoons coming over to screen A classic animated short But right in the middle of the cartoon The film jams It burns It's blacked out when the lights come back up, the king is gone. He's been kidnapped and is being held hostage for no. ransom by a character named El Chunky boobabi Love it. And Chris Rock was had promised <laughs> no. to play El Chunky boobabi ah. And I now now I must like, I, 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 I really just had to say this it. because I must see this movie. Oh my
5: god. Ribbon said
4: it's all the puppets, particularly particularly those giant clunky puppets that should never be out of the playhouse on a full on road trip epic adventure. There's something funny about that right off the bat. I mean, I mean, Cherry should never be out of the playhouse. No. What's Cherry
5: doing outside the house? <laughs> Did you ever <laughs> see follow that bird? Remember I love that, follow that? I bird. love follow that bird. I love the Muppet, the Great Muppet Caper too. I yeah. love, I love, I
4: love oh, yeah, of course, and the the first Muppet movie is also yes. another you know big road mm. movie with with puppets. But the first draft was actually written apparently back before the first movie, and it was called Big Adventure. That is yes. what he's purported. I don't know. I mean, I didn't see that up until this point. It all seems very all over the place. These things seem to have been in development for years and years. And also, this is amazing, Ruben's plan to either play himself or he talked to Johnny Depp (laughs) <laughs> about taking over the role And he was like I gotta think about it I love that <laughs> This
3: is also the same time So right after Big Top Pee Wee flopped Paramount killed the development deal They were working on with Paul Rubens To make a gangster film That he was working on Called Pee Wee Confidential He was in talks with George McGrath Writer from Big Top Pee Wee In Pee Wee's Playhouse That it would be a 50's style Blaring horns And Pee Wee would be involved With the seedy side of the city So it would be like a detective Pee Wee Herman movie. Oh, I would watch that. That script is also written,
4: so this is the third script. Then there's the dark pee wee film that I really wish we could yes. made. It's titled The Pee Wee Herman Story. It's largely inspired by Valley of the Dolls. Love it. Which is about so the rise good. and fall of three women in show business. Uh, which is a crazy thing to reference for a Pee Wee Herman movie. And Paul Rubin said it's But also perfect? Yeah. Also kind of perfect. He said it's basically the story of Pee Wee Herman becoming famous as a singer. He has a hit single and gets brought out to Hollywood to make musical movies. Kind of like they did with Elvis. It all goes uh, it all kind of goes downhill from there for Pee Wee. He turns into a monster. He does Everything wrong and becomes a big jerk. And both of these films are being worked on at the same time, but they end up getting dropped to work with Judd Apatow on a more reality based Pee Wee movie, which we will talk about in just a second. He also
3: had lots of dreams of doing Pee Wee Land at this time. He had lots of ideas of making an actual, um, like play, like a theme park <gasps> called oh, Peewee my Land? Oh I would what? so go to that! And he said, I can't tell you what? much about it except that it'll be a sort of version of Disneyland. <sighs> he whispers as if unscrupulous competitors might be tapping the line. <laughs> it won't be anything too fancy to start off with. <sighs> Maybe like a miniature golf course and a giant statue. That'd be appropriate for Peewee Land, don't you think? Man, fuck Yes. yes, mod- yes. Fuck Model
5: Land! I want Pee-wee land. Whoa, whoa, (laughs) whoa, whoa. whoa. Of course, referencing
4: Tyra Banks' Harry Potter knockoff model land, which I actually (laughs) need to order. You just reminded me because I still want to read it. Uh, So before we talk about Pee-wee's big holiday, first there was the return of the stage show. And I remember when this happened. I was so excited. I watched it on HBO, and it was so fucking good. In 2009, Paul Rubens appeared in character on several late night shows to promote the return of a live stage show. Demand was so high for it that they had to move to a bigger theater, and the show opened on on January 12, 2010 in L.A. with a four-week run, then went to Broadway at the end of 2010.
5: And I saw it. This
3: quote gave me such chillies. So one of the puppeteers, Eric Kuska, said about being there opening night and hearing the roar from the audience when Pee Wee hits the stage. He was inside of Cherry. He said we didn't realize it at first, but that wave of applause and love started 25 years ago. When Pee Wee went away, we all just went about our lives holding it in. But finally there was a chance to have that release opening night and it repeated every performance. Each audience had their own moment to go back to when they were on their living room floor Watching Pee Wee yelling and eating Captain Crunch cereal—it was just amazing to experience that. Can you imagine? Like
5: also growing up with it and then being on
3: stage ah, so and cool. making
5: it. Yeah, he wasn't even supposed to be inside of Cherry. He was being a creep. Yeah. <laughs> but then he was really glad he was there. He got to
4: see it. <laughs> I guess I'll stay. There were returning cast members such as Lynn Stewart as Miss Yvonne, John Moody as Mailman Mike, and John Paragon as Jambi the Genie. And they uh, also had several of the crew members as well as the musical composer coming back to work on it too, which really warms my heart that they would really, it was a reunion in a big way and I bet it was a very emotional, wonderful time for them. And it was filmed for an HBO special that you can still watch. It is so damn good, it is such a delight. You really do feel that excitement that you were just talking about. Really mm-hmm. is palpable in that in that uh, live show. It's and so Rubens
3: fun. really wanted to use this as a way to get another film off the ground, and it did. After seeing the show, Judd Apatow approached Rubens because Judd Apatow had gone to the show to see it with his wife, with the possibility of producing a third Pee Wee movie. So it's like talk about like that is just out like that is beautiful, you know just. It is exactly what he wanted Someone to come be like I'll make that movie sir And it happened
4: Apatow claims to have been A fan of Pee-wee Since his dating game appearances So (laughs) pre-dating The adult live show Apatow said I just think there are Very few characters In comedy history As strong and hilarious As Pee-wee Herman the first moment you're sitting in a room with Paul Rubens and he starts pitching you things Pee Wee might say or do you think to yourself this can't be happening the first time he put on the suit I thought (laughs) I was going to pass out (laughs) I love it also
3: Judd Apatow had said about Pee Wee's appeal it's a group of strange people who are having a great time and being really nice to each other Mm -hmm. and as a slightly weird kid I must have understood that I liked watching someone so different whom the audience loved the idea that unique people were getting applause that the crowd was going crazy for peewee made me feel you didn't have to be the football team quarterback
5: yeah that's right and
3: I love too is that he had come to him he had come to Judd Apatow originally with the peewee he, the peewee Herman story that dark reboot tale of peewee Herman that we were talking about and he really was trying to get Judd Apatow to make it he's like yeah it's not like it's not exactly what I was looking for for Mm. a third Pee Wee movie so we got Pee Wee's Big Holiday instead yeah
4: uh, Rubens had this to say about first working with Judd Judd said, first of all, I want to prove to you that I'm serious, longtime Pee-wee fan. He pulled out some Polaroid pictures he had taken of me at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York right before I made Big Adventure. I was staggering. I'm still floored by it. And uh, so Apatow brings in writer-actor Paul Rust, who uh, was in Love, the TV show on Netflix, to help write the script. Rust really just said he let... Ruben's really take over as Pee-wee. Paul's instincts, says Russ, for this character and the universe he created are so correct. You just sort of follow his lead. It's like if you were working with Charlie Chaplin, you wouldn't go, you know, Charlie. I don't think the little tramp would do that. <laughs> so I like that they really, they really just gave him. All of their resources, all of their time To let him really just do his thing Paul
5: Russ makes a cameo in it also Yeah, yeah. in the diner scene Mm
3: -hmm. Now, so apparently Judd Apatow Who had worked with Paul Russ in the past Knew immediately that he and Paul Rubens Would be great writing partners But Paul Rubens was skeptical But after one meeting, he realized just how right Apatow was, and then trusted him completely Here's the thing, particularly In comedy, which is mostly what I have Written, it's just lonely to do It by yourself, in my opinion, Rubin says, I think Paul has written a lot of stuff by himself. I could be wrong, but I think he knows how to do it more than me. I know how to do it, but I don't like it. Comedy is fun. It's supposed to be fun. And it's supposed to be fun to write. And you're supposed to laugh while you're writing it. And doing that all by yourself is just sad. It's not as fun. And the writing of it is one of the greatest parts of the whole process. Mm -hmm. And now in the same interview, The interviewer asked Paul Rust, did Rubens provide you with a list of rules for Pee Wee Herman and his universe? And he said, nope. There are guidelines that he upholds, but it's less about rules and more about instincts and what feels right and what doesn't feel right, Rust reports pointing out we don't have to uphold some sort of Star Wars level canon which is another fun part too where it's like it isn't brought back in of what happened in the no, first no, two they just like didn't at exist. all it doesn't yeah. exist yeah. It is a, it's a new story so I like that it's not it's guidelines rather than and rules
4: he, Rubens has talked about I've seen I saw quotes where he talks about how every time they do a new thing it's like he totally resets the world Right. So it's not even yet. It, like even
5: in Big Top Pee-wee there was no reference to happening. Yeah. That total
4: no. total yeah. reset of the world. Let's see what we can do with him in this scenario without ha- feeling yeah. like bogged down by the old stuff. The director is John Lee, by the way, best known for his work on Wonder Showsen, which is a really solid choice, the adult comedy series featuring dirty puppets. Uh, and he was, of course, greatly inspired by Pee Wee when he was younger as well. I of thought course, this was
3: actually a really cute quote because John Lee was just excited to make something he could bring his kids to. Hmm. He said, it's, it's not like <laughs> it's like Wonder my kids Showsen can't see Wonder Center. Showsen or Xavier <laughs> or, the hot, or The Heart She Holler or certainly not Broad City. But if someday they will see all those things, I hope they get it. Or I hope they show me something stranger, which I think is such a cute thing for a dad to That's say. That's so sweet.
4: You have Mark Mothersbaugh also doing the score. I will say, watching the movie, I enjoy. I had a nice time watching the movie, but there was, I, I feel like it, you shouldn't watch that movie right after watching Big Adventure. Definitely you not. You won't, just, you'll, yes. you'll constantly be comparing it, and you'll just feel, I felt like it just didn't quite pack the punch. That No,
5: the Danny Elfman score for sure um, added to that world so much. Mm-hmm. I love Joe Manganiello in it, though. Oh yeah, he's great. Yes, what he's a so little great. Cutie.
4: Yeah, he's a cute. Yeah, Joe Manganiello co-stars with Pee Wee. It is this weird sort of kind of you, you love almost interest? have like it almost feels like kind of a queer relationship yeah. in a in a sense, but they don't really like. But slap it's very you in innocent with it. It's very yeah. innocent. It's very it's very sweet. And I love it. I love his energy in this. He's just so uh, Joe Mangello. He comes. He's this like I think biker, it's Manganello. Manganello. St- Manganello. Uh, yeah, sorry. Got the, no, you're he's, all good. He's like this biker stud kind of guy, and then he just he just beca- he's just like a boy through the whole thing, and it's he's just so waiting
3: funny. for Pee Wee when Pee Wee falls down the well, and all he wants is root beer barrels, and he goes root beer barrels. And I <laughs> love <laughs> it's so adorable, and I really love that Paul Rubens really wanted this story to be so simple. A child could grasp it. Pee-wee, who has been living in a small town and feeling stuck, meets a roguish Hollywood star and, for reasons we won't spoil here, is inspired to go to his birthday party in New York. There's almost no plot, Ruben says. No. I love that moment of discovery when you're
5: going, wait a minute, that's the plot? <laughs> um, Joe Magnella, I believe, is also just a massive peewee fan and I'm sure like acting as like a huge are. nerd the whole movie because he was so excited
4: it. well as far as uh, it, when you were talking about the no plot thing uh, Rubens actually worked really hard with Netflix and the PR company to hide the fact that the plot was so simple and flimsy and also to hide the fact that the there was an alien at the opening and that they he takes a trip to New York those three things were really important to him to be oh, surprised oh yeah the
5: alien <laughs> the aliens really creepy at the yes
4: <laughs> it's very creepy
3: and um also the fact that they most of the money that they put into this. So this movie took what five years five to make? Years Six to get years. years made? A long time. Yeah. It yeah. was and finally they, released
4: on uh, in on Netflix in March of 2016.
3: Which is ridiculous. This goes back to what you were saying earlier, Natalie, about the turtleneck that they use digital technology mm. to make Pee-Wee look younger. You see, this makes so much sense because I saw this the second this movie dropped on Netflix yeah, and I was too. just like, why does he look so weird? Yeah. And Paul Rubens had said I feel I'm too old To be in a Pee Wee Herman movie Without it Pee Wee doesn't work to me With age mixed into it So I knew I wanted Digital retouching And that was my biggest concern From the get go With Judd When it came to budgeting Because it costs a fortune I could have had a facelift And we would have saved Two million dollars No facelift <laughs> would make him
5: Look really scary yeah, yeah. yeah But instead What they
3: did Is that they were talking about How like They taped his neck yeah. back And That's taped- an old style. That's an old, old school yeah. yeah And it's fun because it's like they had to be able to have that for like the scenes when you know he's like dirtying the shot where it's like you just see him from the side, but you can tell how much older his neck is.
5: And I mean, come on, give him a break. He's almost sixty years I old know, when they 20. shot this, and now he's almost seventy. He's almost yeah. seventy. Oh my man. God. He's sixty-seven.
4: I will just say, the movie came out. People were really positive about
5: it. That's I enjoyed all- it. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was really fun to see it again. Everybody obviously had a great time making it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that came out. Uh, I don't know if you guys had any of uh, your favorite parts that he played in between these things. But I will. I want to give a shout out for his appearance on the show 30 Rock, which is one of the best shows of all time. Oh, my God. He's so funny um, in it. He plays a character named Prince Gerhard Habsburg. And he is—he's in full prosthetics, and he's got <laughs> tiny puppet legs, and he's playing basically an in, inbred prince, <laughs> trying. To, and uh, one of the characters on the show is trying to woo him so she can become rich. So and he's funny! Got, like, it's so funny. Oh you could barely God. recognize him, and he's got like a one long tooth, I think, in in it. <laughs> and and Tina and Tina Fey's book, which is also again one of the best autobiographies of all time, Bossy Pants. She talks about that episode where it was at the point where. They were pretty sure 30 Rock was going to get canceled. It was early on. And they immediately jumped the shark on the show. It's just an insane show. And so they just took his character and went... They they took it but to 150 wild. because they're like, we're probably not getting picked up. Let's just do something real weird. <laughs> and it is so crazy. And it's a really... If you have never seen 30 Rock, I recommend you stop listening to this and go watch it because uh <laughs> worth every second.
3: A thousand percent. Now,
5: another thing that I'm hoping for the future,
3: and I really, really, really hope this happens. So the dark Pee Wee Herman movie that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. he, Paul Rubens is now pitching it to the Safdie brothers, Hell yeah. who made Uncut Gems so make those gritty, dark movies. And they are apparently considering <gasps> making Hell the movie. Yeah. Which is, again, the gritty you. reboot, the Takes the children's entertainer and throws him in a mental hospital to receive oh. shock treatment for alcoholism. I need I want it so this good. movie. Man. How do we get this movie made? I I, let's write letters. I just, and to the point that even whether, no matter what, Paul Rubens is like, even if it's not him playing Pee Wee Herman, like we were talking about with Johnny Depp, he said, I think actors are going to be obsolete really quick. And part of me would love to sell the whole thing. That would include my digital scans. A couple of scripts, some other stuff. I don't for one second feel I'm George Lucas or that Pee Wee Herman, the franchise is Star Wars, but it's worth something, you know? And I feel like I could step away from it. I don't think I'd want to watch someone else do it although it would be interesting to watch somebody give it a stab especially if it was a very dark mm-hmm. movie oh yeah and if it was like i don't know maybe johnny depp's comeback who knows i think it should be
5: t- i think it should be timothy
4: Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd be i'd be cool with it if they if they really went full force on it for the performance but i'd I'm love in. to see it all right i think that about does it for our coverage of Wee herman this was such a fun one i had such a good time Talk about a kick in the nostalgia pants that this past couple weeks has been. It's been so much fun.
3: And I hope this put a smile on your guys' face too. And again, all of the, Pee-Wee's Playhouse is all on Netflix. And I have just, I've just had it on in the background and it just makes me happy. I
5: know, it just brings me so much joy. The set Mm -hmm. design is just so, I think it has made me who I am visually and my house is going to end up looking like that at some point
3: (laughs) in my life. We (laughs) are. Big dreams. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We will be back next week. And my name is Jackie Zabrowski, and you can follow me on Instagram at jack_that_firm.
4: My name is Holden McNeely. You can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Holdenatorsho doing Twitch streams on Friday night with Jackie for Jackie and That's me. That's my that. name. More importantly, patreon.com forward slash page seven podcast. We do weekly episodes for just $5 a month. Check us out on there. Natalie.
5: Uh, this is Natalie Jean and you can follow me on most things. Uh, the Natty Jean. And you can also follow page seven on Instagram at page seven LPN
3: yeah we love you Yay, guys y'all. bye Bye. <laughs> I know you are but what am I I know you are but what am I Bastards.
4: Whoa. this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com